here's the thing. I guess I could buy a lot of tools and do it. Yeah. But it's what it's a what's your time worth kind of question. Yeah. Yeah, they're I, here for hours. There's three of them. You know. I support the it is worth my time to not do this plan frequently in a lot of things. I support that. Yeah. I could spend hours and then become an expert on electronics and create my own <laughs> devices that do some of these things. Or or I could buy this $10 one on the internet. I feel though that sometimes when it comes to manual labor we've as a society become disconnected from the amount of work something actually is to do like digging your grass up, you know? Like it doesn't sound hard. It actually isn't I, that hard. I did the, that myself. It sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it does. And so like the appreciation of doing that work when the cost of labor in this country is relatively cheap, actually. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Even at a good wage, it's it's not exorbitant to say, hey, you know, my time is worth X at, at this good rate. But I don't know. I kind of try to mentally take on the tasks that maybe once in a while as a human being one should take on. I don't know how to say this the right way, but like I feel responsible for doing some things that are manual labor. Look, you want to do some work yourself. That's totally fine. No one is going to blame you. However, (laughs) doing some things yourself does not entail doing everything yourself. (laughs) At which point you would be living in half of a built house because you haven't had time to finish the walls in the other half of the house. <laughs> it feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, Spe- speaking of, I just got the uh, the notice today that the garage door we want due to coronavirus is delayed 8 to 12 weeks. Hmm. Not sure. So, uh, you know, we have to wait for them to build it. And we got to get in line. And so we live with a broken garage door and half a house, right? I mean, you have a full house, <laughs> but, you know, it's just not the house, you, you know, it's not the ideal house of your dreams yet. Yet. We're working on it every time we can. Exactly. Positivity. Think about what you can do, right? Not what you it's can't do. For, it's about moving forward, however small the step may be. Yep. One small step sometimes, JJ... Is another's giant leap? Is it? Out of a spaceship? I think you're mixing metaphors. Ah, yes. Uh... First, should we say hello and welcome to We Were Gamers? <laughs> yeah, what are we doing here? <laughs> uh, this is a podcast where the three of us talk about nothing some weeks, and then some weeks talk about video games. Who can tell which week this is? Not me yet. You gotta Man, tune we, in to find out. We really phoned it in last week, didn't we? Ah, we didn't phone it in at all. What are you talking about? We talked about something. It just wasn't video games. <laughs> That's just the way that it is. Oh, man. Welcome back, gentlemen. How are you? It has been 700 years since we talked last, I think. <laughs> I saw Every week feels like that. I saw the, bit, the best thing I saw on Sunday 
which encapsulated all my feelings was well thank god it's friday (laughs) yeah it just it feels like that every week is like three you know this can't go on forever though like we said positivity working on it so instead video games yeah jj it was time to drop Uh, we prepared and then we dropped Halo, the Master Chief Collection for PC released Halo ODST for their collection on the computer. I guess it's been out for Xbox for a while, but nobody on here has one? I don't think. It's been out for the PC for a while at this point. It's just they're only now releasing stuff. No, no, the ODST. Oh, ODST has been out for a few weeks, yes. I believe ODST was out on the Xbox when the collection came out originally. Ah, so we're catching so, up. Yes. We're almost there. Halo 4 is the last one. Halo 4 is. So that'll be the last game that was released for the 360. And yes. then to play the others, we'll have to you will have to subscribe to Game Pass for PC for a month. Uh, that assumes the others come out on PC. Halo 5 is not on PC currently. Not yet, not yet. But it will be. In, I mean, in any form. Come on, it will be. I mean, sh- maybe, but it's not currently. Right. So, well, given their play in the last week, we talked about when they purchased Bethesda. Their play not for just PCs. Beth- not just Bethesda. They purchased Zenimax, which includes id and right. a whole bunch of other Doom. studios as well. Okay, let's get back on track. We can do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andrew, here's what I want to say. Uh, you could tell we played through the entire campaign of ODST because it is not that long. No. And you can tell when they were making this game, they were like, okay, we finished the fight in Halo 3. That was sure. the whole thing about Halo 3. You finished the fight. We did is it. Mm-hmm. And then someone was like, but I want to tell cool war stories in the Halo universe. Can I make a game? And they're like, eh, I don't know. And they're like, but what if we get cool, popular actors and have them act the parts and then we make a big cinematic war game like Call of Duty, but it's Halo. Okay. And then someone was like, okay, what if we do that? And then they're like, yeah, but no one is a Master Chief, so everyone's human and therefore has to be way worse at fighting in Halo. Uh Uh-huh. And then everyone was like, ooh, I don't know. They're like, we're doing it. Too late. It's already out. <laughs> yep. And you're like, oh, man. Uh, hmm. uh, that's this game. So, Michael, you've seen us play Halo a few times. Yes. Yes, I have. And you know that, you know, the Master Chief, he's got, like, shields. And he's, Holds like, a, two guns sometimes. He's a bullet sponge. He can throw grenades. He's the the ultimate warrior. Yeah, like, you know, your grenade throw is over the Empire State Building. You know what I mean? You just hold, like, two machine guns at once that are just like... And just like, whatever. Uh Uh-huh. Remember that the game was balanced, like, for that? Yeah. Okay, take the bad guys that were balanced for that... And then try and be one of those poor saps that follows the Master Chief around? When the Master Chief comes up to him and says, give me your gun! <laughs> and yeah. leaves. Uh-huh. The one, I, I see where this is headed. The ones that are like, hey Master Chief, there's like seven brutes over there, you should go kill them. And then he goes and does it. 
uh, now be that guy alone in the city at night and be like, oh, there's like four brutes over there. I've got this cool sniper pistol, though. So you're saying this is Halo below decks? Uh, Yes. Halo drowning (laughs) underwater, maybe. (laughs) It is... uh Thank goodness we were playing this in co-op. Although maybe there would have been less enemies or something if we weren't. Not clear about that. I um, don't know if there would be less enemies, but I really would have had a hard time dealing with the snipers and the things in my face. Like when you're yeah. getting sniped and there are hunters. Or there are seven brutes and then three snipers up on the various sides of the buildings. Yeah. It became like there were some of those fights that became extremely problematic, which we won literally only by like one person standing there finding all the snipers as they shoot at us by having the other person run out and be bait. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's literally like, okay, JJ, stay. I by got the this, turret. boys. Leroy. <laughs> <laughs> or and then or the time that JJ kept driving a tank into the middle of things. Well, that and solved dying. a lot of problems. No, well, it, it blew them up. We eventually figured out that the way to beat that level was to not stop and fight. Yeah, you just drove past the things. You there are drive in, into them. You just yeah. drove <laughs> there beyond is, them. There are, in fact, multiple levels where maybe you shouldn't fight. Yeah, is, so it turned a lot of the game into, like, you can see there's a combat arena here, but the place I need to go is to the left, and they're kind of more guarding the right. So if you just skirt along the left side there, there's your objective, and we proceed forward with the game. Yeah, or, you know, towards the end, hey, maybe we just worry about us and let the computer take care of itself. (laughs) You literally just, like, drive the tank as fast as you can, straight forward, avoiding, you know, avoiding all the combat as much as as possible. Uh, And then there you go. So, when that game hit, I remember playing it. It was part of the Halo is over, you guys. Halo 3 was it. Now we're going to tell these other stories and there's going to be ODST and Reach. We're going to expand on the stuff that's already there in the universe. You know, enjoy this. And like, you know, when we saw the end of that game, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it was connected to the other games with little anecdotes. Um, They kind of even set it up for its own sequel that never came. But yeah. So like, was this game liked at the time when it came out? It it created a rift in people that were upset about the change in mechanics. Right. Versus a group of people that were enamored with the story and liked the change in mechanics. I think the people that were upset about the mechanics generally ignored the story. Sure. I think you can count me in the camp of I very much enjoyed listening to Alan Tudyk and Nathan Fillion berate each other while you stand by the side, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I too had fond memories of the show Firefly. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know where Morena Baccarin was, but she would have been a good, um, agent dare or whatever her name is. Oh, but we had Trisha Helfer. She was, yeah, e- since, yeah, yeah, she was fine. Look, there's nothing was wrong. I was just saying, you know, you really wanted to get the Firefly reunion. You could have done that. It's true. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, I think the, the story it tells is inconsequential, though, right? It, it is like, by the end, there is, like, kind of one thing important that they have gained out of this whole thing, but is a small piece of a giant conflict that 
really has no bearing whatsoever on anything that Master Chief or the, the Arbiter or any of those people are doing. I thought it but was it does pretty... kind of tell you like, oh, this was important maybe for the way the U.S. forces or the, the naval, you know, USNC or whatever it is, fought back against the, the Covenant on Earth. Okay. Like it was important in that respect, but not important maybe in the galaxy conflict level. It skirted that line of it's not exactly telling you the story of okay, Master Chief went and did this, and this is what the entirety of the rest of the war was like. And then you do the Medal of Honor, go through the entire World War II theater of war and play every big battle kind of thing as the little guy, which right. is what it could have done, right? You It could have been the thing where you did drops into every major map in Halo, and you, you were in the background of all these huge fights that the Master Chief won. And you kind of get that... Or they could have done the, this is how we pushed the Covenant off of Earth. And it went like, you went here and then here and then, you right. know, so on. But that also wasn't it. They really told one battle, essentially. Not And yeah, and not even a battle of like, it didn't go well from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. And it became, I mean, yeah. what did you think of the time thing? That's the other thing that set people off. I, I think that constantly... Inter so it's told Michael the, the story is like it, you start off as this like rookie in this squad of of drop troopers. Your name is literally rookie. That's literally what they call you. Creative, I like it. Yeah, it, it works really well because then they can just refer to you as hey rook, hey rookie, and never have to worry about what your name ends up being. Sure. Yeah. Um. And and you wake up. You know the drop goes bad. And you wake up like, you know, it's just like eight hours later or something and it's night in the city and you're by yourself and you have to kind of like figure out what to do. And then like as you sort of figure out where you are, you kind of like do this like inspect stuff and then you figure out like you Batman detective vision your way into figuring out wh what happened to the other members of your squad. And then you play a flashback where you play as that squad member going through whatever that thing is in this area, but earlier in the day. Okay. So example would be the first map, we found a broken sniper rifle. Okay. Well, that was one of our squad's sniper rifles. So what happened to Romeo, right? And then how, how and, did his sniper rifle get bent in half and on top of this building or whatever? And then you play as Romeo. Got it. Yeah. And all and then, the while the times are converging, you're always going forward in time in the past missions. Right. And so it's like, oh, this one was seven hours ago, and then this one is five, and then this one is three, and then so on. Right. You know, I don't know. The times vary. Okay. Um, and it's, it, it highlights different people along the way. Oh, you know, you're Romeo. Now you're Mick. Now you're Buck. Now you're whoever. I forget all these guys' various names. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, then it eventually kind of converges, you know, in the obvious way where, like, the rookie meets up with the squad and things happen. Okay, so you got a you've got a Dunkirk kind of thing going on. I don't know. Did you, did either of you guys see that? Yeah, yeah. There's Dunkirk definitely does the, that with the one month, one week, yes. like one day out. Right. Exactly the same thing. Yes. Okay. Okay. More compressed than the Dunkirk timeline. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but definitely the same. Everything converging on a central moment kind of thing. And so I didn't hate it. The construction, like it didn't, it didn't bother me. But I think it made it hard for me to figure out, especially for like the first maybe like third or, or, or half of the game. And I was like, 
how does any of this relate to each other? Because you had met these various different characters, but none of them have really started to intersect yet. You know, it's just like you meet this other random guy, he does something and then meets up with some troops and says, we're going over here. And then that's the last you see of him for a while. Until then, eventually it did, right? Like halfway through or whenever you started noticing, hey, this guy is with this other guy whose mission I already saw. And he they're both here now. And then I kind of started putting it together and I felt a little better about it. But like I could definitely see like, you know, if you're playing this for the first time, it's brand new and you're just like, what's going on here, man? <laughs> <laughs> um, it it's can be very dis- disjointed, especially since those um, open sections where you're playing as the rookie right. don't have a ton of like signboarding about where you should go. Absolutely. Not. Yes. And that's what one of the two things I was going to say is it's the first Halo map that I can think of where at least one section of the game is technically like an open world map. Right. So when you're playing as the rookie and this is going to be a thing in Halo infinite, I guess you can go anywhere. You won't trigger the next cutscene unless you go to the right place, but you can kind of wander two thirds of the playable space in that game. And it's not just, that you can wander and, you know, do whatever you want. There'll be enemies there. You can fight them. Right. And, you know, not only do you have to go to the right place, you then sometimes have to examine the right object when you get there. Right. Like it's not enough to just go to this area. You have to look and press the look button at the sniper rifle. This is also pre, this is also previous to a lot of games taking into account, um, accessibility features. So JJ actually had a lot of trouble with one of the features in the game, which would help oh, yeah, this, normal yeah. people, uh, but actually hindered him. There uh, was, what is it called? Night visor vision or something? Yeah, like light amplification or something they call it. I forget. But it tinges everything like greenish kind of gold, green gold colors. Okay. Uh, to give you well, night vision, essentially. Because it's dark, right? It's night in this city. Yeah, there are billboards and stuff that light up. But like there are a lot of just like dark alleyways and stuff. Sure, yeah. And like rooms with just no lights on. So it gives you kind of night vision and it helps. Like it definitely lets you see stuff in the dark compared with what you would not otherwise. Right. Great. Well, that like kind of greenish gold, whatever color tinge it puts over everything turns out to make it really hard for people with certain kinds of color blindness to see other colors that like line up with those things. Uh huh. Multiple times, uh, JJ would point at an object and ask me, what color is that? And I'd tell him, he'd be like, huh, okay. Yeah, because I like I couldn't tell. Is this supposed to be, like, yellow? Is this, like, a green? Is it a, like, the red was visible, but not, like, great? It kind of turned the red brown. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it blended. It, it made the red look like a color that would, like, you might more associate with like a wall or something. Mm-hmm. And the walls didn't look like that red color, but also those colors now were similar enough in my color deficient vision that like, I was like, Oh, there's like a red, there's like a red like line here or something that's meant to show like there's blood on that wall. I should go that way. Yeah. Um, and if I turned the night vision off, I could see that. And that's, and it's like much more obvious to me instantly as soon as I turned that off. Which then prevented him from being able to find the objects because they put outlines in the visor vision on the objects. Right. So I could see the objects great when the visor vision is on. But as soon as I turn it off, now the objects are in shadows or whatever, and now I can't see them anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah so that's that's a problem and i think you know i think modern games have kind of figured this out a little better those visor you know night vision modes and that kind of stuff yeah don't paint a like color swath over everything anymore the other the other thing that i saved to tell you here uh jj was that open map is also one of the first maps I can remember in a Halo that has uh, collectibles on it. I don't know if you remember the audio logs we were finding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we found quite a few so of them. So there's this cool thing where the city, Michael, is controlled by an AI, just like Cortana. Sure. Well, the one of the things they're trying to do is get the AI out of there. Um, but there's a backstory to when the city was attacked by the Covenant, and there's a cool little set of audio logs that we started to run across, where it's telling the story of a woman that's trying to escape the city, but the city itself is trying to save her, because the AI knows her. Like, her dad or somebody works with the AI or something like that. Yeah, okay. I think her dad was, like, one of the AI architects or something, like, worked with the AI all the time or something. So there's these audio logs of, like, the city telling her where to go. So like she'd try to run down an alleyway and you'd hear the city be like, trespassing is forbidden. Trespassing is forbidden. Trying to tell her not to go that way or something like that. (laughs) Um, And there's another part, you know, story developing around her where like the police chief abducts her and a whole bunch of other stuff. You know, or the AI stops the train that she's on from going to wherever the destination she was trying to get to because it doesn't want her going there well, it unlocked these caches that we never went and did because they were always on the other side of this huge open world map. And right. we looked up what were in these caches and it's like lots of weapons and stuff like that. And uh, even, I think they give you a vehicle, like a mongoose or something. Oh, wow. I We I wondered it. why they were so far away. JJ, I have an answer for you. Okay. Because there are 30 audio logs to find. Oh, we did not hear the end of the story. Nope. We found <laughs> I thought we got to like kind of a resolution in that story, but I guess it not. sounded like it, right? I think we got six. Maybe. Oh, okay. You had you had a ways to go. Yeah, well the funny thing about it is they coded the game so that no matter what you find next, if you find number you know, if you find the eighteenth terminal, it's still the second story. I like that. So that you don't have to try and hunt them out in order. As long as you just happen across one, it's whatever the next part is. And we didn't find too many that were cliffhangers either. A lot of them were somewhat self-contained. Yeah, or it felt like they were contained, right? Like, you get to the end of the audio log, and it was like, oh, okay, like, this event happened. And you're like, okay. You know, yeah. like, the the character's overall story may not have been resolved, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't feel like I was missing, what, 24 more or something? I know, right? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so cool, interesting. I, I guess they just expected you to be wandering around that open world a lot longer. And what from what I've read online, and I never knew this when I played the game originally. Uh, you can you can start the game in easy, and from the first map, find them all if you want to. Interesting. So you can roll huh. through and just do the audio logs. Hmm. Yeah. Not not crazy. I. Yeah, cool. I think in the pantheon of Halo games, I quite like this one for its uniqueness, for its weapon uniqueness, because you have to get so creative because you're constantly running out of ammo. You don't have stronger weapons you can wield in multiple formats. You have to take on challenges like when we were in those 
sewers fighting the buggers and you only have bad guns to use. <laughs> it's like a lot of like, mm, I have this alien pistol with 30 shots left. Yeah. Or I can pick up this SMG with 70. The Neither game would be are great. The game would be much easier if we were better at using the shield gun to take shields off and then switch to the SOCOM, but we're not that good. Yeah. Uh, in in the list of those games, I enjoy this one a lot. I don't know that I would say it's the best, and it's definitely not the one that I would recommend a player start on. I think Halo 1 is that game for everybody, to be honest. I, I really don't think I can recommend Halo 1 to people just because of some of the like ridiculous levels in that game. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Maybe. It is just so open and poorly signposted about Halo where you're 2, supposed to go maybe, in then? some cases. Yeah, Halo Two. Halo Two is better. Halo okay. Two is better. You can't they get are... into Halo Three as their first game, though. So no, you can't. You can't. It is Halo One is feels like an old game. True. Right. Even though there's like the anniversary update and all that stuff, and the anniversary update is actually much better. You know, with the new graphics and everything, and the signposting and, on the ground, and the signposting like on the grounds and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, that that helps. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's tough going back to Halo 1, man. It if you don't ha- if you never played it before, I don't know that I would want someone to start there. But, but now you've kind of played their original maximum plan for what Halo was going to be. So, yeah, we can talk about Halo 4 when it comes out, but like that's part of a whole new idea and set of games because you get past there's no more flood now. Right? right. There's there's a whole new set of bad guys. Yeah, we're going to fight some Covenant in Halo 4. But there's a new uh, faction that you have to fight and all that kind of... The story is completely new and different. And so at this point, that was going to be it. And they were going to say, you know what? On the next gen, Halo, the name may come back, but it's not going to be the same, which turns out is wrong, obviously. But Well, that was also the time when uh, they were like, yeah, Bungie's like, we're not going to do Halo now. That's true. Um, And Microsoft was like, well, we're buying this. (laughs) You guys can go do Destiny or whatever the heck it is you guys want to do. We're not doing that. We're doing Halo, guys. So yeah, see ya. But and, but and that's what happened. So you kind of sit with all these games here, and I'm just curious at this point what what maybe your favorite was or what you've gleaned from this set of games. I don't know. I mean, it's like I, I'm playing them because they're fun games, and I remember playing some of these. I definitely played a lot of Halo One and Halo Two. I played some Halo Three for sure, but not a ton. And again, mostly all multiplayer for two and three. I didn't really play the stories. Um, and, you know, it's just fun to go around and like kind of just mindlessly shoot some dudes, you know, sort of how I'm, I'm treating it. The lore in Halo 1, 2, and 3, like, is just it's impenetrable, man. Like, I can tell there's like 800 novels out there that probably have so much like deep lore about all these characters but the game doesn't give you any of that. And it's just like throwing out words in like a sci-fi dictionary. <laughs> um, but it's fun. You know, the, the combat and stuff in those games is fun. And like, even in ODST, you know, it's, it is still the halo combat where like, okay, there's a bunch of grunts here. And then there's the, you know, the couple brutes and like some jackals, the snipers up over there. How do I break this area down and get around them or do something? It is to- the most technical of the halo games by far. Yeah. It, you know, you eventually have plan. You, can, you have to plan your grenades. You have to plan everything. Yeah, you can brute force your way through it eventually. Sure. Um, but the brute force, you have to train yourself to play so much differently than you would in Halo 3 in ODST because you have to do stuff like 
all right, this gun has like one more clip in it. I just have to get a new gun. Whatever, whatever gun I'm walking over next, I'm picking up. It doesn't matter. Like this needler is going to be better because it has a full clip. <laughs> um, you know, and so that you just have to learn to be like, all right, good. You know, as in Halo, um, the other Halo games, I would just hold on to guns all the time, even if they were almost completely out of ammo, because you will eventually walk over ammo for the pistol or the rocket launcher or whatever again, and then be able to use it. And this one, no such guarantee, right? Right. Especially so like, the oh. especially the human guns, because there's very few yeah. humans in the. In it's the like, map. Oh, will I get to use this silenced SMG ever again? Probably not until I die and reload. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it, it's fun. I think that's why I kind of like Reach and ODST. They stick out in my mind as more uh, unique experiences because, like you said, there's not a sci-fi bible. They're definitely focused stories. I kind of feel like the games do a disservice by putting them in chronological order instead of in actual video game release order. Maybe. Because we played Reach first before Halo 1. It's just the way that it should be in the chronology. In the yeah, in the in-game chronology, Reach happened first. But the mechanics in Reach are so crazy different from anything even in Halo 3 that it didn't feel like Halo, really. Until, like, you know, you had gotten partway through and a bunch of other stuff had, had come in. And so it was it was, it was was jarring, right? It's hard for me to compare Reach with the rest of the Halo games because it felt so different than the other ones. Yeah. What's our report on ODST? What a game. Good, good so game. You, got, you guys have got one more? Uh, yes. Halo 4, which is just entering uh, Alpha... Or maybe oh, closed beta. I, it's like either I, just in alpha or closed beta. Yeah, I think the the flights of inviting random people to the Halo 4 beta have begun, but usually there are several months after doing that before the game comes out. We might Assuming see, that things go well. We might see 4 by the end of the year. Could be. I wouldn't be shocked to hear it coming in like December. Like right around the time of the console. Like right after the console launches sometime around then it also depends on how much resources is microsoft devoting to this versus the people fixing halo infinite and whatever other stuff it is they're trying to work on so sure you also see like once they're done with four it's this game becomes a maintenance game in a way so yeah totally just plug it out you know just get it over with and i know one of the more recent updates when odst came out they changed a bunch of stuff about halo 3 that people had been complaining about for forever oh cool um i guess there was like issues with hit detection and issues with bullet grouping and stuff in multiplayer that people thought were like completely different than how it worked when it was on the console and supposedly they have like they posted a really cool thing of like hey because we support like 60 fps and higher fps's this is why this happened and Here's how we've done things to mitigate it. So this is, is very interesting. I mean, this is a good also time to mention they've also gone back to Halo 2. I don't know if you checked in your options menu, but... Did they fix the thing? Okay. Did they fix the thing? Which thing? The thing where we had to play that one mission 700 times? <laughs> I think I think that was a server issue, to be honest. Um, no. I don't care. Did they fix it? Sure, yeah. They, <laughs> they fixed it, of course. Uh, no... They've made it so you can customize your Spartan just like you can in the other games. So 
Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, actually, to think that they're going back into, like, code for Halo 2 to support customizable knee pads in a game that that would never have supported that. Is that in the Halo 2 anniversary stuff and not base Halo 2, Correct, yes. Yeah. That's still very cool. Yeah. I mean, so, like, maybe not a maintenance-maintenance game, but at least, you know, they could have a lot less resources keeping people happy with it. Yeah, and I think that there are enough... I mean... In the past, when I have tried to play these games multiplayer, I have been able to find games. Yeah. Well, the cool thing is you can queue all the games. So if you don't care what game you're going to play, you'll find a game instantly because it'll dump you through every single title and see what's available. So, you know, you can play some Halo, but if you (laughs) want specifically Halo 2 oddball, these settings or whatever, okay, it's going to be a 10 minute wait, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Okay, Michael. You're on deck, buddy. Um so I'll I'll touch you off with uh a little bit of Final Fantasy 12. Oh boy. I Thank you for bringing it little... back. We have not talked yeah. about it in 2 or 3 weeks. Uh yeah, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. It's a long um, game. It is a it... long game. I'm having a hard time making decent sized progress, uh, especially because we did ODST last week and I spent some time watching a show that we should talk about at some point. (laughs) Okay. FF 12, give it to us. Yeah. So I was, I did a little bit of playing over the weekend. I didn't have a ton of time. Uh, but one of the things that I did do was to tackle a staple of final fantasy games, which is optional super bosses. Oh yes. Uh, what was it in? What was in an eight when you take the Ragnarok down to the island and play Ultima? Yes. Fight Ultima weapon, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Stuff are, the, like that, so. are they Ultima weapon in this game too? Um no. In this game they are uh there are some different ones. There are a few that you would recognize though. Um Gilgamesh is one of them. Uh he's an optional hunt. Uh, but not one of the bosses. Um, Are you rewarded with sorry, anything? Like Ultima you... is in, Ultima is in this one. Okay, because Gilgamesh and all these others are you're usually rewarded with like a summon or something. So what do they do? They okay? You, you're going to so get I'll, I'll get I'll get to that. Um, and and this particular one's going to annoy you. Um, but the the boss that I found the first one that I got to was called the Hellworm, and it's the the typical sort of you have to unlock the the path to get to him in just the right way. And you have to have found the key by completing a different side quest. Um, so I, I opened the path. I had the key. I got to him. So the fight starts like all the other boss fights in Final Fantasy XII. And so when you walk into the room, you see the, that red bar scroll across the top of the screen. Uh-huh. Except in in this case... Underneath the red bar are an additional 50 little tick marks, also in that same red color. Please tell me those are not 50 bars of life. They are. No. Each one is as, each one is as much health as the first no. bar that scrolls across. So the fight lasted. So there's, a, there's a, an upside and a downside here. So the downside is, is how long it takes. And I think it took me a good 35 minutes, maybe, to get through the fight. Okay, I've, I think we've all been in longer Final Fantasy fights than that. Probably, yep. 
Um, the upside is that with the with this fight and a couple of other fights in the game, you can leave the room and regroup and come back in. And as long as you haven't let too much time go past, your progress is maintained. Huh. So he loses so if the life for if a long time. Yeah, so if you've hacked your way through 23 of the life bars and you're just not keeping up with it, you can run out of the room, uh, you know, heal your party up to the top again, reset your defensive spells, and then jump right back into it. Maybe they made it so that each life bar is like a monster then? Are you just thinking in terms of how they coded it? Yeah, I'm just curious because... Even what is it? Almost a map away. You'd you'd respawn stuff. So I wonder how they kept it so that it. He's in his own. I'm room. sure they just they just yeah. set a counter. Okay. And the counter they they set a counter and a timer, mm-hmm. and the counter counts down. And if you leave the room, the timer starts. And if the timer runs out, then the counter gets reset. That's possible. And so when you say a good amount of time, Michael. Is this like a minute? It's like 10 minutes? I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the time window is that you have to leave and then get back in. He's too it's, good. He did it too. He did it without trying. So I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I did it without leaving the room. Um, uh-huh. So I didn't, I didn't test it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure you could look it up. I'm sure you could let people have documented I'll just see. how long you have before it starts you over. Because I'm curious, like, you know, could I run all the way back to the save point and res all my characters and like, you know, come back here as long as I'm not like leaving the entire map of the area I'm in? If Maybe. I leave that map, does it count or is it you literally just time? Yeah, I, I'm sure it'll reset if I'm sure, pretty sure it'll reset if you leave the map um, and the same if you save. But you might be able to refresh at a save crystal. I don't know. As long as you don't actually save. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Okay. That's just one. Yeah, there are there are a few more. There's at least one more that I know of that has uh, the same mechanic. Oh boy! Um, so the- you finally you finally finish the fight, and yeah. you think, oh boy, I beat one of the optional super bosses. There should be something good behind him. No, and- please tell me no. So there's a chest that has one of the I think the second best shield in the game. But this is Final Fantasy XII, and you know how chests work in this game. No, no way. Spawn rate of this particular chest is 1%. No way. I'm rubbing rubbing my face. As you should. So there's a chance you fight this guy, beat him. The chest isn't even there. I mean, chances are super high that the chest is not even there. 99 to 1. Now, he doesn't respawn. You just have to come back to the room? No, you can just keep running in and out of the room at that point. He's gone. Okay, and then maybe the chest will spawn if you go in 100 times? Maybe. Oh, God. The, the, the number of times you... The, the percentage is independent of the number of times you enter. So, for people like me that are trying to do it without a guide, I would see that there's no chest and move on and never get the best second best shield in the game correct uh there so i want to say there's one other way to get it but yes essentially i feel like there are some of the best stuff 
can be crafted at some point in the game, right? There's like a way to. Yes. So the majority of the, the high end items you can either find in a chest that has a low spawn rate. You can get through crafting by collecting the rare loot that you need to craft it. Or there is a side quest later in the game called the hunt club, um, where once you initiate it, um, rare, rare regular monsters start showing up in places um, and they drop trophies. And depending on who you give the trophies back to, it opens up uh, different items in a specialty shop. Are there and they game... tend to be. Sorry. No, I was just going to say they tend to be the super high end stuff. Well, so are there in game hints on what you're supposed to do with those trophies or is it just sort of like. Yes. So when you when you initiate the hunt club, they explain to you that there are certain rare monsters. They drop trophies, bring the trophies back to us. You'll get good stuff. Oh, OK. And they, you know, they lay it out for you that depending on which one of the, the hunters you give the trophies to, it changes what shows up. Hmm. I assume hunt club is after you've done a million hunts. Uh, yeah, you have to have done, you have to have done a certain number before they will talk to you. It's not all of them though. No, it is, it's not. All, it is many, but not all. Some, not all. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Options. You're going to hundred percent this thing, aren't you? That's the plan. Wow. I am at 27 of 41 achievements so far. I was going to say, God bless you, man. There's some real nonsense in there, especially in the trial mode and some of those optional super bosses. I will not be, I will not be doing that. So part, part of what helps though, is that trial mode going through trial mode, the enemies that you run into there will count towards the achievement. So you don't have to beat them in both the game and trial mode. You just have to beat them once in either of the two places. Oh, that's nice. Because there are some places in the trial mode that are like you're fighting those super bosses. Yes. Yeah, there are a couple. And so if you beat them in trial mode, it counts towards um, towards your completion. However, there are also achievements for completing the trial mode. Yes. So I've gotten I've gotten three quarters of the way through it ish. Seventy something, I think, is as far as I've gotten so far. Maybe I'm happy that I have it on switch so I can't see achievements. (laughs) Andrew, let me go ahead and tell you here, man. Uh, I am I I'm guessing I am much further in the story than Michael is. Um, Uh, I'm catching up to you. Okay, okay. Uh, You don't need to do any of this. (laughs) <laughs> you can skip it all no, get to the don't. end no problem let me tell you here i know yeah, the nice thing the nice thing about you andy playing it on switch is that you will only see the achievements that you have unlocked you will never see the ones that you haven't nice yeah. all right you should uh it, it's good man it's good yeah the we battle were... system is fun to tinker around with once you get to a certain level once you get yeah. to the level that i think is still maybe an hour or two ahead of where i am of like tinkering with the game playing itself. Uh, I'm sure it's fun. I, I keep getting Michael, distracted. Did you, uh, Michael, did you play in the like two X or four X fast forward? I was, I, I pretty much leave the game on two X at this point. 
Okay. Yes, I also um, do this. And actually, the, <laughs> the the super bosses are actually probably one of the best arguments uh, in this game for the Gambit system. Because oh, the fights go long enough that you really get a good sense for my Gambits are set up so that I'm staying ahead of the damage curve or I'm constantly on the defensive just trying to keep my characters alive. Yeah. Right. A lot of the regular fights, you can sort of, uh, as long as you're not underleveled severely, you can sort of brute your, force your way through before you get a chance for your gambits to really loop through. Including bosses, by the way. You can brute force bosses very easily. Yes. If you have good weapons, no problem. I noticed that in two of the boss fights I've done. It's just like, I think we could just keep attacking and healing here. I don't think we have to worry too much about spells. Yep. yep. This guy has a really sweet status effect. Okay, but is it going to expire before I kill him? No. All right, so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so these longer fights are are great for really knowing that your your setup is good or not. And there was definitely one point where it got a little dicey for me where I got stuck in a bad loop and my characters were basically I I think I had two of my three active party die and they were basically just stuck in a revive loop. Yeah. Where someone would, you know, one, the one character would revive one of the fallen characters and then get killed themselves. And it, it went around in a loop like that a couple of times. Yeah, and that's where you have to kind of turn off gambits and take over. and like, Yeah, or swap in, uh, you know, one of your reserve characters. Yeah. So. But yeah, it's good. You know, steady progress forward. Cool. Right on. Well, yeah. that's not the only thing you've been playing though, right? Yeah, so I uh, I took JJ's advice and downloaded a game that I don't know if it's still free on Steam, um, but a couple of weeks ago was free on Steam called Chips Challenge 1. And it is an old DOS game, JJ? Uh, I think it came with like early Windows 95 for okay. free. It definitely has that feeling. Yep, yeah, still free. Where is this? Uh, on Steam. Uh, Steam. Chips Challenge 1? Yes. Okay. There is a Chips Challenge 2. They charge money for that one. I'm I'm opening Steam now. <laughs> yes, you'll also... see you'll see the graphics Andy and you'll be like, "Oh, yeah. Spelunky 2 now available. Thank you." Great game. Oh, sounds like somebody's played it. Okay. Okay, Chips Challenge. Hold on. What what are we what are we talking about here? So you, yeah, um, you are trying to solve. Oh my gosh. I played this game. Okay. Yeah, you did. There you go. You remember it. So I, I, I never, never knew the name of it. Um, but you, you basically are solving puzzle levels. Yeah. It's one of those kinds of games. Yeah. So you're trying to pick up all the microchips in each level so that it unlocks the gate to the warp that takes you to the next level. Wow. Yep. And I will say that it gets very hard very quickly. Yeah, it does. That's what I remember about this game. I would play like the first four or five levels and be like, all right, I'm cruising, man. I've I got figured out a bunch of stuff. This is cool. And then you're just like, I am completely lost. I have no idea what to do on this level. How do I even proceed at all? Yep. So my, I think my first issue with it is that the screen, like what's shown on the screen at any one time is just a little bit smaller than it needs to be. 
Yeah, so but remember, you're, like, you're, they used to be big, like, that used to be, you're having a resolution issue here. I don't I mean, know this that is how it's they, even a resolution issue. The, these it's, screenshots on the Steam page are exactly what the game is in my memory. Yeah. <laughs> of, like, yeah. tiny little screen, this is all you get, like, eight squares or whatever. Right. And you have to just, like, run around, and it'll scroll, but, like, you know, is there something on the other side of that warp? Who knows? <laughs> right. It's not It's not a resolution issue, issue so much as it is that with, what's, with what you see at any given time, there are things that are moving off screen oh, that okay. you can run into yep. before you have a chance to even react yeah, to Yeah, I remember that being kind of a problem. Yeah. yeah. So basically, you you tap the arrow key in the wrong way, and suddenly something shows up on the screen and runs into you, and you're dead, and you have yep. to start over. Hmm. So I think I made it maybe eleven levels in before <laughs> I I was like, oh, I get the idea. Maybe I'll come back to this. And I think uh, I think what it was the reason that I wasn't quite as willing to put in more time is because I have been spoiled by Baba is you having the undo button. Yeah, you can't go back. You can go back, but it is a time does not reverse. Yes, time does not reverse. So you are always starting completely over if you if you mess up. Also, I think you can save. Huh? I haven't played around with that. Like to if, see you... if you can save, and if the save takes you to the exact moment. I want to say it might just take you to the start of that level. Nineteen eighty nine. That's true. You don't have to start all the way over from level one. There is a level select. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but some of these levels can get very big and very complicated. And if you, you know, you get 90% of the way through it and then push a block in the wrong direction so that it gets stuck in a corner or, you know, you get yourself stuck behind a door that you can't unlock because you got the keys in the wrong order then you're starting the level all over again. Man, this is throwing me down the nostalgia trip of like that gorilla game that came with windows. Uh, you talking about ski free, my man? No, not ski free. I think it was just called gorillas. Oh, okay. Huh. Uh, it came with windows. It was a pack in, I think. Um, Y'all know you can press a button in ski free to go faster and then outrun the monster. No, right. I did not. Yeah, know ski that. free. There's a button you can press that like speeds up your guy. Yeah. Okay. And then you don't get eaten by the yeti. <laughs> nice. That yeah, it seems desirable. Look up gorillas. No video game. In Steam or not, or just on Wikipedia or whatever. 1991, man. This was a pack in with DOS, I think. Is this, uh, I mean, does it look like um, King of Monsters? A little bit, where you're standing on top of buildings. Yeah. Yeah, so what... Oh, what the I've seen... Yeah, I've seen yeah. pictures of and it's just an artillery game. You just have to guess your height and your velocity. You plug the numbers in in oh, DOS, okay. and then you throw a explosive banana. Hmm. I definitely never played this, but I played a game very much like this with tanks. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yep. But like this is the nostalgia trip we're now on here. Good good times. <laughs> Games were simpler back then. No dual wielding bananas. <laughs> uh, 
Chip's challenge has like 140 something levels or something like that and is brutally hard. I remember at one point in my like teenage years going back to it and being like, all right, like I'm smarter now. I've played computer games and stuff. I get how I could do this works. I could beat a bunch of this. No. No. It's really hard. It's going like, to require some of those levels yeah. are really, really tough. I think it requires the mindset of that era. Yeah. Yep. It it requ- it also re- I mean this one just requires a lot of memorization. Mhm. Right? Cuz in those in those first levels that I played there's one level that's just a giant maze and you can very easily run into an enemy with nowhere to escape or you can get lost in the maze and run out of time and have to start over and you got to remember all the different turns that you took. So you're saying it's worth the nostalgia but not worth the time. I would say play it until you get frustrated with it and then just stop. Hmm. Okay. That that sounds like the right move to me. All right. Perfect. I think we should end today talking about something crazy because I think we're all going to have an opinion on it. <sighs> Dream Haven. Yes. Blizzard Jr. I think that non-compete might have ended, gentlemen. Aren't those unenforceable really anyway? As a person that has never signed one, I don't know. (laughs) Gray area? I always thought the idea is that they have you sign them because they don't want you to sue the company you just left, but that it was really unlikely that that company could sue you for joining another company. Anyway, not really here or there, because Andrew, what is Dreamhaven? Mike Morheim? Of oh, he, what if of uh, uh, the former founder of Blizzard who left oh, and was, was like, "Peace, guys, was, I'm out." I was going to go with Interplay, but all right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> okay, fair. He came from there, um, and his uh, wonderful wife. It sounds like have started a co-op of gaming companies. Not, nope. Don't use that word. It's definitely not a co-op. Okay. Co-op implies everyone is equally sharing in the profits, which I think is not at all the case. Right? All right. Fair. Good point. It's some sort of collective of gaming yeah, companies? Is, the way they... It, it is a studio of studios or something? It's unclear that Dreamhaven makes any games. Yes. They are an umbrella company. It's a, it's a crazy Haven... thing to think about. Just let's stop there. You created Blizzard, you left Blizzard, and then instead of just starting a gaming company as a side project in your retirement, you create an umbrella corporation <laughs> before before anything else. I think the umbrella corporation also then like does technical services and like support stuff right for the games that are being done by their studios. Okay. So we're going to so have to like, install another app. Maybe, but also <laughs> like these might be the guys who are like, or the, you know, the group of people who are like, Oh, we need help with our engine. We're having trouble on this thing. The dream Haven support people can come and help us. I or see. these are like, they have, they have the QA, right? And so you go to them and use their QA or, you know, they have like 
the ability to find, we need some outside people to come work with us. Who do we go to? Dreamhaven handles that and provides us with people, that kind of stuff. Okay. They're like a services, well, services is the wrong word, but like they are the middle layer of, instead of having each of these game studios hire a hundred people to get a team together, right? They hire like 10 and then Dreamhaven hires a bunch of contractors or something like that. Interesting. That's my impression. Again, they don't really spell any of this out because who knows? It's a weird creation and a weird setup with not much explanation yet. Obviously, it's early, right? But the structure of of this, you'd like to understand a little better before you make judgments in your own brain about what they're trying to accomplish and if they're actively targeting somebody else's business. Because if it's like what you said and each of these uh, underneath studios, which we'll get to in a second, is like 10-man teams, then it becomes much more of a like are they targeting certain employees and giving them their own like little projects? And then I, I mean, I think you don't need to, I don't think you need to guess. I think they're actively doing that. It's pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> but then, so is this a good system where Dreamhaven uh, may so, not have permanent employees, but they might be hiring contractors and how contractors is not a great place to start with like video games, especially because of the crunch time and all that. I mean, I think, um, this may just be a reality of how the industry actually works. Okay. Like people work at video game studios. There's like a certain number of people that work there. And then the, you know, the, you ever watch credits in a video game, like a triple A video There's a bazillion people. <laughs> There's a bazillion people. You know how many of those people actually worked for the studio that made the game? Like a hundred. Yeah, sure. 200 maybe yeah. if they're really, it's a really big one. Yeah. Not and that... There's like 700 other people on those credits. <laughs> yeah. I was just curious, like, yeah, it's a very strange structure to start off with. So, you know, I mean, maybe 10 people is the wrong number, right? Maybe there's 50, maybe there's 70. I don't know. But it is clearly a like, you know, it's like, well, the these studios aren't going to have like, you know, this, so Dreamhaven has two studios, right? That's what they they announced. What, what were the names? <laughs> Secret, Moon, uh, Moonshot and Moonshot Secret Door. and Secret Door. Yeah. And I think these two teams aren't going to be like, we're going to go write our engine and go make a game. You know, they're going to be like, okay, Dreamhaven, you licensed some stuff here. What can we do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like you have the unity license or you have the Unreal license or whatever, and we can move forward with that. Um, so that's kind of my guess as to how they're going to do that. But these two studios are uh, Andrew <laughs> run by some familiar faces. Some, let's say some, some veterans. <laughs> Uh, they describe them as that. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Dreamhaven is going to be headed up by Shane DeBiri, who was the lead producer of World of Warcraft for seven years. Seems like a guy that people know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Secret Door is going to be run by Alan DeBiri, who I assume is related to Shane. Chris Sagat- Sag- uh, Sagatti, right? And Eric Dodds, uh, all names, famous names from formerly of Blizzard Entertainment. Also, yeah, uh, Diablo, Starcraft, Warcraft, uh, that era, I think. Dodds in particular, I remember working on original World of Warcraft. Oh, and I think Dodds even uh, hit Hearthstone. Probably. Yeah. Um, That's Secret Door Moonshot. Is going to be 
and you'll recognize these names really easily. Ben Thompson from oh, uh, for, yeah. former very famous Hearthstone yeah. guy. Jason Chase. Oh, hey. Uh, StarCraft II guy. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, Dustin Browder. Just a little Dustin Browder guy. The actual former game director of StarCraft II. And uh, Heroes of the Storm. And here, oh right, and a bunch of Heroes of the Storm too. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. One. When they were like, "Heroes of the Storm is floundering," quick, get Dustin on it. Yeah, that's right. He worked on that for like a year, a couple of years. I'd I like, think. I'd like to point out that despite the fact that Heroes of the Storm never, never ended up being what it aspired to be, it got a bad rap because it wanted to be something it never was, and they made a great game if they hadn't tried to make it an esport. Yeah. Hmm. It's unfortunate that they really went so hard on the competitive angle on that game because it was a fun way to play a bunch of Blizzard characters in a, like, silly setting. That game was a thousand percent at its best during their, like, events, like their Halloween events and stuff like that. Yep. Um, And if they had just stuck to those kinds of crazy things, I think they'd have picked up a following of people that enjoyed it because it was silly fun. And even the maps that had more of a game, like that played less of the actual MOBA game and more of the mini game inside the map um, were pretty fun. Well, we had to collect like the scarab beetles or the ones we had yep. to collect the crow yeah. blessings or whatever. Exactly. I think that was the... more fun than the maps where you had to straight up play, fight the towers and defend and all that. stuff. I think that was the post Dustin Browder era in terms of like, okay, this game's not making it on the, the esports scene. What do we do? Yeah. Um, well, so I've seen that list of people described as a nice pedigree. <laughs> I, I can see that Putting list it descri- described as ex-Blizzard employees <laughs> of high rank. I think you could just say. Uh-huh. Veteran talent from specifically Blizzard Entertainment. Yep. I'm surprised to not see some names that I know have also left Blizzard. I know hey, some of them wonder... have, have their own projects going on and stuff, but like, yeah. yeah. So there are several of those guys who have like struck out to do their own thing. Ben Brode, famously of Hearthstone, as several famous Hearthstone names on his side team doing stuff at, I think they're called like Second Dinner or something. They still have not announced any games. Yeah, no, um, no game yet from them, which is weird. But the they've been doing stuff for several years now or two or three years at this point. So who knows what they're doing, but I don't know that he will be a part of this. No, but he several other high profile be. people have left uh, blizzard. And what are the chances that they show up in another Irvine based video game developer? <laughs> By the way, they're headquartered in the same city. They're headquartered down the street. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Hey, you know, they have the, the infrastructure, they have the technology, they got the office space, I guess. Matt Rory from from Bombcast slash Beastcast and all that did bring up a good point, which is that it's not just that Blizzard is there. Everybody is yeah. there. Like um, uh, Obsidian Entertainment is there. Uh, branches of, I think, Bethesda are even there. I think there's there's branches of Sony there. There's branches of Capcom there. There's branches of lots and lots of other game developers in that area, semi-congregating around the spectrum. Yeah, I was going to say that it's not that, like, it's weird for them to be there. That is the hub of video game development in Southern California. And right. a lot of it is because that's where a lot of their testing is done for all these companies. 
So there are game testers that are working two jobs at a lot of these companies. Yeah. So, um, not to let Dreamhaven off the hook for the targeted approach to their hiring. <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, I, work with who you know, I guess. Hey, yeah, you know, hey, if you're if you had a good working relationship with someone and find out that they had left their former job and you were starting a new thing that you think they might be able to do, feels like a thing where you might try to offer the job to them and mm-hmm. see what they have to say, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um yeah, who knows? Uh, obviously, they've announced no games. They have no timetable for anything. You know, m- we might not hear from them for years at this point. But it is really like they didn't ever specifically throw shade at Activision or Blizzard as it exists now. But woof, it is a look. <laughs> it's weird because we're in a year where Blizzard didn't st- step their foot really in anything because of. Um, the current pandemic and all that, there's really not much going on in last year, I think was the major news about all their layoffs and their pay increases to Activision level people, but not to, you know, Oh, might've been this year that the uh, financial study of all bunch of whole bunch of uh, positions came out and didn't make them look so hot, but like uh, in general, they've been sliding under the radar quite a bit. So it's kind of strange to hear, them get shade thrown on them for not really doing anything. <laughs> but it makes you feel mm-hmm. weird about Blizzard a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's something, man. I don't, you know, again, I don't know what to think about any of it because they didn't they didn't give us any like you know, alternate vision, right? They're just like, "Hey, remember these guys? They're very popular." Mhm. They made yeah. some games in the past. This is on their resume. This guy worked on StarCraft 2. Yeah, it this sounds... This guy worked on uh, Hearthstone. That's a popular game. It definitely seems like they split their teams into some sort of categories, but it's hard to see from the outside. I... And, you know, like, these people are immensely talented, I'm sure, have worked on many things and could work on many different things. You know, for all we know, they're making shooters or, you know, like, RTS games. Schluters? Schluters, man. Who knows? It could be. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, they're all they're making the next Final Fantasy game. Who knows? <laughs> it's a wow, what a world. What a business to start right now. You know? Wild man. You know? Yeah. Anywho. Um, you know, if you're an insider and you have lots and lots of info about Dreamhaven and you want to leak it somewhere. Oh yeah. Uh you, you can send that to us. We will protect your anonymity because no one will know that you reported it to us <laughs> as we are podcast at wewergamers.com. We will be extremely grateful, though. So, you know, yeah. that's certainly worth something. It's a lot, honestly, in my opinion. Um, yeah, so that's podcast at wewergamers.com. We're also on social media all over the place. Search for We Were Gamers, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Search for We Were Gamers on YouTube and subscribe there. That will really help us out. Uh, hit that little you know bell to get notified when our new videos go up, and uh, they're sweet. We've got a lot of cool stuff down the pipe, I think. Absolutely. I'm sad that we won't have any more places to drop. I can no longer prepare to drop. <laughs>